anything that we have a doubt we have to take a major decision we just set up a 100 150 customers download and i'll call some 30 40 ankit will call 30 40 leadership team will call another 30 40 by the end of those calls we'll have our answer to this day that is the bible we follow consumers invariably know what they want they may not know how to articulate it they may not know what anxieties they have what worries they have but having these conversations invariably gives you those answers Hello and welcome to this episode of Direct to a Billion Consumers. My name is Arjun Vaidya and I'm your host. Today I'm very excited to have with us Chaitanya Ramalinge Gowda. Uh, Chaitanya is the founder of Wakefit, a brand that has literally taken the sleep space in India by storm. What people may not know is that Chaitanya is actually a serial entrepreneur, if he allows me to call him that. Uh, and his story leading up to and with Wakefit is something that truly inspires me. So I'm really excited for this, Chaitanya. Thank you so much for taking out the time, and I'm I'm so happy you're on the show with us today. Thank you for having me, Arjun. Uh, it's going to be good fun. You and I have chatted, and we've been on multiple groups. Uh, the D2C community is pretty small, but uh, always good to be here and discuss things with you. So, Chaitanya, you know, I, I wanted to start by sort of diving into the the earlier part of your journey, right? And you moved from an MBA and and a corporate job to your first startup. So, I remember actually moving from my first job in private equity to eventually starting a business, and I know that that was a huge change, right? So. Tell us honestly how fundamentally different it is to move from an MBA and and a sort of corporate job to actually moving into the startup world and how fundamentally different those two worlds are and how you did adapt. Actually, it was a very weird journey for me because once I completed uh, my tenth standard and I was fifteen years old, and in those summer holidays I sort of joined a place which was running spoken English classes as a teacher because I wanted to make money on the side in the summer holidays and they used to pay me. 10 rupees per hour per hour of classes and a typical class would be a motley bunch of uh, salesmen housewives students who have moved from rural areas and so on and so forth but after that stint in the next year when i was 16 and i had finished my 11th i tried to do it on my own i put up an advertisement in the local newspaper took up my aunt's garage and then uh, started having classes there so that was a very good learning obviously the second venture didn't do so well when people would come and see me as a standalone entity not part of a larger agency that's doing it and I'm just a teacher they didn't have the right amount of confidence to put their money and just say that hey I'll trust this 16 year old to teach me english so the second venture didn't go too well but the first place where i earned money as a teacher that really gave me a lot of confidence that people can respect you based on your intellect and what you bring to the table and not just on the age so that was very interesting but then after that there was absolutely no pressure with entrepreneurship very standard middle class upbringing my father retired being part of the government service my mother was a homemaker so my sister and i sort of grew up with a very normal middle class upbringing normal schools normal vacations birthdays but one thing that did teach me that whole journey was a lot of adaptability because my father used to keep getting transferred every one year to three years so we would have to completely uproot ourselves pack up everything go to a new city start making new friends join a new school so i think in hindsight that taught me a lot of adaptability i'm not really rooted to one place or one thing forever i'm looking for what makes it interesting what can make me a better person and so on and so forth but then i followed a very traditional path did my engineering in computer science worked as a software engineer did my mba from isp hyderabad and the next 6 years were 
really really good in the sense that as a fresh mba 25 year old for the next 6 years i was in management consulting working in us canada and europe and the beautiful part was i was working and advising cxos of fortune 100 companies consulting is probably one of the few industries where this kind of access is possible again the same thread continues people the customers listen to management consultants irrespective of their age irrespective of their nationality or race if that consultant is making sense if that consultant is bringing logical arguments to the table so i can't tell you how much of an exposure it was i worked with banking financial services insurance life sciences healthcare pharma pretty much all the industries and that gave me a really good view of how each of the different departments function together and how each of the things come together to build a company so that was how it was and as a management consultant the biggest thing you are paid for is to have a point of view have an opinion based on logic and in entrepreneurship that's exactly the opposite i think that was the biggest mistake i made in my first venture to not have the humility to say i will be led by my consumer i will not go in with a fixed viewpoint or a thought process based on what seemingly looks like logically relevant so i think that was a big big change for me to unlearn that process of saying i will always look at the data have an opinion and solve for it as a management consultant to completely turn it on its head as a founder and say i will look at the data but i will let the consumers lead me the data may be saying something and i might be interpreting it something else so let me be led by them let me be led by how they behave what they say what they don't say i think that unlearning process took me a year year and a half by which time my first startup had sort of shut down i think you say something really interesting about being customer first as well and i'm going to take that up with you in a later part of the conversation but but i think that yes there is and i had the good fortune of working in private equity straight out of college as well uh, and there is a huge amount of exposure you get from there but but you know chetanya as you've seen as well right entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey it's one that that you need to have a lot of grit and resilience through um, and you've had some really interesting experience right so tell us about your first two startups and sort of the lesser known stories of your first two journeys um, and how that prepared you for for sort of the big one which is wakefit now first startup that i did was in the dating slash matrimony space so our idea was that india was ready for a way to find a partner which was beyond religion and caste and they would like psychological compatibility commonality in hobbies commonality in life goals so on and so forth think of e harmony in the us which was a much more elevated way of finding a partner so we replicated that worked with a bunch of psychologists created frameworks and interfaces where people could select what they would like in a partner in a very visual and graphical interface this is imagine it is 2011 12 so which means it was pre sort of proliferation of mobile phones and especially smartphones weren't as widely available in india so given that it was a web interface and we had put in a lot of effort but what we didn't realize was that no matter what the people were saying in focus groups no matter what they were saying in in the personal interviews ultimately at that point in time india was not yet ready to embrace that kind of a matchmaking they were still very comfortable to find 100 matches from their own community or from their own state rather than three completely curated and verified matches on a platform like ours 
so they were much much more interested in that than this so i think the proliferation of mobile phones people being comfortable with smartphone interface the additional features that come with the smartphone which is location which is other interests so on and so forth all of that context was really really missing so that's what i was telling you earlier that although customers were saying something to us their behavior was showing something else and i should have seen those signs back then and so india is a very unique if i may say so even a weird country so the way we choose our partners the way we choose our way forward in life are all very very different and very unique in this part of the world i don't think it's so diverse in any other part of the world how people behave and think in an indore is very different from bhopal which is very different from uh, bijapur in karnataka which is very different from uh, vijayawada in andhra pradesh so i think that sort of took us a long time to realize and that shut down but one thing we realized was the content that we were creating to generate traffic as part of seo suddenly was getting a lot of traffic so that gave us an idea saying that if people are interested in this kind of content and we have this whole engine why don't we pivot and create a content led community where women and men can engage with content creators brands and so forth so this is the time when buzzfeed and other people were just starting this whole native advertising kind of a wave of commerce where commerce came after content people would come in because of the content engage with the community and then finally they would also buy the products that the community sort of recommended or bubbled up in front of so we said okay let's do this we already have the engine we have the content we have the team and let's build it up and so we built that content community to about 1 million women across the world in within about 9 to 10 months on a, on a almost zero budget and what that gave us was tremendous reach and brands started coming to us fashion brands jewelry brands we even started making money on google ads that was a good experience but by that time what had happened was uh, it had been 4 years since i quit my job and we had done two three different pivots and nothing was exciting me i didn't feel like this is what i quit my job to do my aspirations were bigger ambitions were bigger and i was getting burnt out because i was doing two jobs three jobs doing a consulting gig on the side taking all of that money and putting it all into the company so that i could pay the 10 employees so i don't think i had anything left back then so that's when it was a, it was a very tough decision but uh, in hindsight the right decision just sort of digging a little bit deeper as well right? i i read somewhere that you went to withdraw money and you saw only 3000 rupees in your bank account and you knew it had to sort of last you a week but you still took consulting gigs on the side and and you said that regardless i'll always pay my staff in time right that's the most important thing to me so this talks a little bit about mentality as well and, and the balance so tell us about that balance you know like how you managed your sort of mental state but also said look i have to take care of my responsibilities because i have a responsibility to a team right right you're right i just have to open my bank account statement from any of those years 2012 13 14 any month i open the average balance is from 800 rupees 900 rupees i pretty much run through my whole savings and i was doing all of these things putting the money into the company and i was not really comfortable taking financial support from my family my parents were very supportive but i didn't want to discuss all of this and put them at even more worry about me so i tried to manage on my own but one thing was very clear to me that i knowingly have taken this risk of running this startup and whatever else that is associated with this but the team that is working with me that's taken that deep of faith 
they are people who are getting married they're taking bike loans they're trying to send some money back to their hometowns and they are the people who signed up for a yes they signed up for a small company yes they signed up for the risks yes they signed up for a job but at the same time they didn't sign up to put their whole life on hold just like i had so so i always wanted to ensure that we would as a tech company pay salaries on the first or second of every month no matter what and so that's why in somehow in my head it was completely segregated so my financial situation and what the payroll should happen first of every month both were very segregated and separate topics completely in my mind and they were very tough and that was one of the reasons why i think i burnt out i was just doing this as a part of responsibility keeping the company alive pivoting trying 20 different things until i reached a point where i said i can't do these things because this is not the most efficient use of my brain or my mind and i spent 4 years i've taken some learnings i need to pull back and see what those learnings mean what does it entail i didn't know what it meant at that time it was really hard breaking to shut down because you put in 4 years of your life but what we did was managed to find jobs for pretty much every single person in the team and because they had worked so hard on the product on the marketing on the content every one of them landed a job that paid them anywhere from 2x to 3x more than what we were paying so that shows the commitment and sacrifices that they had made to stay with the company they stayed with us for 4 years and they put their life goals and ambitions aside to say that hey this might succeed let's all pull together so when I mean, there's no way i could ditch that and just say i'm firing you with a severance pay or take this 30 days go i think that was that would have been a very very impersonal way to deal with it and the weird part is two or three out of those 10 members are now in wakefield so somehow life came a full circle they went to other jobs they spent some years away and then finally when wakefield was also growing and needing people they they came and joined back again so the relationships we built there have still stayed how can you put a price tag on that i was actually going to ask you that as the next question did any of these people come back because i think i think what you talk about chetanya is something which which seems so normal to you but it's something which is not as normal or not seen as much so i think it's it's amazing that that you did that and and the the majority that you had to sort of segregate is something which which as founders sometimes we get emotional and not able to do so chetanya you did two of these ventures they didn't work out as well you had a lot of learnings but then you went back to work in a startup right so why did you choose going back to a startup how did this feel and and to you was it at this point like a relief to have more something more structured something more sort of less risky or did you always see it as sort of some stop gap and i i want to be a founder once again very very thoughtful question arjun let me answer the two parts very separately on why i went back to a startup simply because nobody else would take me back so four years i had spent building two companies i had a ton of learning but whether it was management consulting whether it is these large mnc's who used to be my clients none of them was interested in the skill sets i had built in those four years none of them valued it enough to get give me a job at that point in time i did try that was my first port of call but it didn't work out and nobody was interested i had become something else in those four years there was no right role there was no right compensation people wanted me to join at a salary that was even lesser than what i was getting before i quit my consulting jobs so that didn't make any sense so while i was looking around suddenly i realized that funded startups 
which are series A, series B, were talking to me and valuing the skill set and the time and effort that I had put in in those four years. So it just organically happened, and uh, I did two or three different roles. One was in heading a product, second was heading investor relations at Lex Venture, third was you know Sequoia funded startup where I was the VP operations, and uh, we were building a team of about thousand people across the country to respond to customers on chat. These were the days when everyone across the world was building great chat solutions which used a combination of real-time responses, natural language processing and so forth. And bots were just coming up back then. So the thesis of this company was that almost every single thing could be done through chat and you could build one super app. And these were the days when a mobile phone a memory was a big, big issue. People would buy this 7,000, 6,000 mobile phone and everything would work very, very well. And But then they would have to constantly delete apps because they had very very little memory. So the concept of super apps was very, very appealing where you bring in everybody from Ola, Uber on the taxi side, you bring in Book My Show and other platforms for entertainment, you bring Amazon and other APIs for shopping and then create a super app. So I was part of that team heading the operations and that's where I coincidentally bumped into my current co-founder, Ankit. He used to report to me and there's an eight-year age gap, but we sort of realized very similar journeys standard middle class upbringing he was from Agra I was from Mysore small towns but our fathers had jobs where we constantly got uprooted we had decent education supported by our parents and then we had done work in good companies and then we had tried some so even to this day we joke that the only difference between him and me other than the 8 year gap is that he lost all his savings on one startup while I managed to do that over two startups so we became friends and uh, about 6 months later we had both saved up about 3-3 lakh each and that's when the wake fit idea came. But let me come back to that later. You asked me whether I was happy or what happened when I joined the startup. And you were absolutely on the button. To be in a startup where after having seen four years of complete uncertainty about every single thing, every single week and every single payroll, suddenly to have a vision and clear goal to say that, hey, you have to go build this thousand member team. You have to go chase this SLA. You have to delight customers by responding within this timeline. You have to delight customers by closing a transaction and generating GMP through a good API link. So these are clearly articulated goals that just because it was a Series B startup, it was at a different maturity level. So just by being in that role and having those goals sort of gave me the motivation again. I regained my energy, my confidence because after two failed startups, I was questioning myself whether I'm right to be an entrepreneur, am I cut out to be one or should I just go back and stay in some other job. So it really impacts your psyche, you really process, you really think whether you're cut out for it, whether you want to do it, whether you will thrive in it, whether you'll enjoy it doing such a thing. And so having these goals suddenly gave me that confidence back because I was able to execute. I was able to really put in those 14, 15, 16 hours and go after those goals. So I realized that the startups didn't work, but maybe it wasn't just the fault with me. Maybe there were other things. It took me a while to digest that. So I did enjoy that then the journey of weight sort of happened. And that also sort of takes maturity, right? To say that, hey, maybe there were other factors at play. And I think one factor at play was, I think you were very early to, to the market because I think a lot of the things that you did when you did eventually did scale to becoming really large opportunities. But eventually you came to Wakefit in 2015, right? I remember starting my company in end of 2016. It was still the early days of e-commerce brands, still the early days of D2C. And fundamentally, the category you chose um, doesn't seem like an easy one. So I know Ankit had some experience in this category, but how did you guys choose this category 
Did, did you ever feel like it will be tough to build in such a category? Not at all, Arjun. Ignorance is bliss. We had no, <laughs> we had no clue that it was a tough category. We had no clue how much of a competitive intensity was there. No idea at all. The only thing that happened was we knew that there could be a wide space, and at best, it could be a small lifestyle business of 10-20 crore. But at least it's our own shop. Let's try it. So the genesis of this idea was that Ankit was getting married around the same time that we were in that Sequoia-funded startup called Tabzo, and we started spending time having chai together at office and so forth. And as his wedding got fixed, he went to the market to sort of buy a mattress and set up his house and bedroom and so forth. And one day he just came and he was amazingly surprised. He's like, "Hey, CR, something is not adding up. Prices at which these people are selling these products and cost of raw materials and labor and all that I know from my own industry experience, it's not adding up. Something is really off." So the first thing we did was to go look at annual reports of these mattress companies and say that these guys must be really, really profitable. We dig into the numbers and we see that actually they're not. They're at a very normal nine, ten percent EBITDA, four, five percent PAT. So where is the money going? It's it costs very less to manufacture. It's being sold at exorbitant prices. And the mattress companies are actually not making so much money. It's like a normal traditional business. So when we did some digging around, we found out that it can be having anywhere from two to four levels of middlemen between the brand and the consumer in different parts of the country. So that gave us sense that okay, there is a room to disintermediate this, and we don't know whether people would actually buy this category online because the prevailing wisdom was that it is touch and feel category. Nobody would want to buy it online, and there were no online sellers. Amazon didn't even have a listing for my. They were when we went to list. They said, "Okay, we'll put you under furniture because we don't have this category in India." That's how we got started. Three lakhs each. Put it in. Just started off, and Ankit joined first full time. Managed to set up a small factory on the third floor of a building because we couldn't afford the ground floor. And that's how slowly it became one order every two three days to one order every day, and then slowly started picking up. And Chetan, you tell me about the name Wakefit. Like, how did you guys come up with this name for the company? Arey, it was a combination of some. Thing that's easy to pronounce and what domain names are available. <laughs> <laughs> we really took our heads. We thought a lot. We tried different different names, but then finally it boiled down to these. We were just frustrated out of our minds. Finally, we found this .co domain, and it was easy to pronounce. It rolls off the tongue very easily. It's not uh, more than two words, very small words. So we went with. You know, one important thing which you said, Jatanya, as well is that ignorance is bliss. Right, going into this category, if you went with all the difficulties, complications, issues, like when we were trying to take Ayurveda online as well, most people said it's impossible. Why would someone do it? The category that's available offline. I think sometimes just going into it without second guessing or sort of building a hundred conjectures is actually a positive, and it, it worked out for you as well. So you talk to us about how you started it. But you know, you fundamentally were trying to bridge a gap of reducing the middlemen in a category, which was fundamentally having the middlemen, right? But but category creation is is a whole different ball game. So if you were to pick, what were the biggest challenges in sort of creating this category, and did you solve any specific problems, or did you come up with any innovative solutions to make this India specific? Definitely, I think you're right. Back then, people didn't know that this is a category that could move online. And just around the time that we were starting up in the US, also Casper and Tough Ten Needle and those people were experimenting. Just a few months here and there, they were also starting up, seeing good traction. But we didn't know whether this would ever pick up in India. So we started off, and the one thing that had really changed us was our respective entrepreneurial strengths. So I had worked, I had my own two startups, worked in three funded startups. Ankit had had one startup on his own, and then he had worked in one funded startup. We had seen everything from abject. 
financial losses to funded startups blowing through hundreds of crores within six months to struggling to raise funding for other startups. We've seen the whole spectrum. So it really made us who we are, where we said, okay, this, these are the learnings from what we've had as our own experiences. It seems to be that anything that we go in as hypothesis are anyway going to be proven wrong. So let's just be humble and be led by consumers. We will go where they take us. So almost every single decision after that sort of went back to this fundamental tenet of how we built it. During those initial six months, we ended up talking to every single customer, primarily because there was nothing else to do. Imagine you're getting one order a day and it's produced. Back then, we didn't even have our own manufacturing in 2015. What do you do? The order has come, you speak to the customer. Why did you buy? What were the places that you searched before making this decision? How do you even bet 20,000 rupees on a mattress on an unknown brand name founded by two unknown people? Why did you even risk it? What made you purchase? What is the doubt that you had that finally was addressed by an FAQ or by an image or something like that. So that gave us a tremendous amount of information and a head start compared to anybody else that came later on. So that was how the DNA of listening to consumers, asking them for everything persists to this day. Anything that we have a doubt, we have to take a major decision. We just set up a 100-150 customers download and I'll call some 30-40, Ankit will call 30-40, leadership team will call another 30-40. By the end of those calls, we'll have our answer. To this day, that is the Bible we follow. Consumers invariably know what they want. They may not know how to articulate it. They may not know what anxieties they have, what worries they have. But having these conversations invariably gives you those answers. To come back to your specific question about what are the things that really worry people, one was that they they didn't know whether buying online is actually good or not because they thought you have to touch it on then only sleep. And that was sort of overcome by educating them that it's actually a myth that you can touch for five minutes and then decide what is right for you. And it sort of resonated with them because they remembered where they had made that purchase and then the husband likes it, the wife doesn't like it. Or the girlfriend loves it or the boyfriend doesn't like it at all. So they'd had those and when, they, when we said, hey, you can actually buy it and try it in the privacy of your home. And if you don't like it, you can return it. That suddenly became a big enabler in earning their trust. And so that was a big, big thing where they understood that they were worried about what suits them or not. Not They were not worried about the money. They were not worried about the brand. They were worried about whether it suits them. So the 100-day trial became a very big enabler for that, for us to win that trust. Second big thing that we did was to completely lift the bar in terms of what a seller is expected to do on any e-commerce platform. So most people are accustomed to buying something on Amazon or one of the D2C brands and then the brand never talks to the consumer. The deal is done and you're out of my life. We said we don't have the marketing budgets and we don't have anything else to do. What if we engage and talk to these consumers after their purchase? So if we have one conversation pre-purchase, what if we have two, three, four conversations after the purchase? What if we are there completely with them through their whole usage experience? And that again, we find the next big thing that can we create a team that constantly listens to consumers and is always with them so that they never feel alone in their post-purchase journey of trying out the brand. They should never have to have the anxiety of saying that I have spent my money, 10-15,000 rupees is spent and it's gone out of my credit card or my bank account. Now I don't know what to do. If something goes wrong, what do I do? We didn't want them to feel that anxiety even for a moment. And because we were an unknown brand, it was even more important for us. So we ended up talking to customers. We used to talk to them about usage instructions. How do you use the product optimally? 
longevity instructions how do you ensure that your product gives you the best mileage for the time that you have how do you care for it what happens when you spill something what happens when you tear something how do you care for it how do you wash it how do you sanitize it how do you maintain the hygiene so suddenly the customers sort of said hey these guys are constantly there they're confident about their product enough that they are themselves calling and they're not disappearing and more importantly they're giving me value added information so the customers love that they really felt good about it so i think those two were the big big things that we did sort of focused on indian consumer and that enabled us to earn trust and build our brand you know when the one important thing you say is that you actually spent time speaking to customers and you still do and i think in our early days we did all customer service ourselves as well i just wanted to ask you a more fun question actually chatanya tell us about one or two of your favorite sort of interactions with customers and and what it really gave you i'll tell you two stories one is a customer called us a bunch of monkeys okay this person came on twitter and the product was delayed and he was really really angry and he called us a bunch of monkeys and a lot of other unsavory names i felt bad and so i responded i dm'd him and i chatted with him i spoke to him and said sir we really really sorry i know it's your hard earned money and you have every right to be angry but we are also a startup trying to scale and very honestly we didn't anticipate this kind of a demand it's a peak sale time kindly allow us three more days and i will ensure that your product is going to be delivered he calmed down after that and he did become a good supporter of wakefit i don't know if he referred or if he bought more after that but he finally responded and said thank you i appreciate that you came back and uh, said it you didn't you didn't sort of avoid the conversation so i just hope that the customer somehow retained trust in online buying from d2c brands small d2c brands like ours because of that interaction that somebody cared enough to respond and earn the trust back i don't know if he bought from wakefit again but i hope and pray that his trust in the online medium was restored the second story that i really love is we were again really early in our journey and people were deciding whether to use it or not and this older gentleman calls and says one of my most prized possessions is my dog and he's been around for nearly 12 13 years and doctors say that he's on his last legs he won't survive more than another 8 9 months and so i want him to give all the comfort that's possible i saw that you have a good orthopedic memory foam mattress i am not sure about buying it for myself but i thought it'll be good for the dog would you recommend it he said yeah sure sir but one thing to note if the dog has claws and it tears the mattress we won't be able to honor the return policy because it could have been damaged he said no problem i'll take the risk and so we sold it and we forgot about it about a year back the customer comes back and says i don't know if you remember me coincidentally he asked for the same sales person and then spoke to him and said i don't know if you remember it but i bought this and that dog passed away about 3 months ago and i know he was comfortable in his last few months because of your product i am now willing to take this risk and buy one for myself so so tell me what i should buy and so we recommended a product and that was trust earned very very hard earned trust and that made us happy that really makes sort of loyal customers i think that's a that's a beautiful story and and something that that leaves a long lasting impression on that customer which then makes that customer tell 5 10 other people who then tell 5 10 other people and that's really sort of how we build ourselves as new age brands japan you know moving from the early stages of wakefit to real scale right so so tell us how you think about scale as a sort of one of india's largest d2c brands and when did you really see scale like like did you i remember when we were at 50 orders a day we smelled scale and we said okay now this can be hyperscale right so did you smell the fact that this could be really large and how do you know it could be a really large opportunity actually the investor community sort of kept us grounded arjun <laughs> 
<laughs> because okay. every time we went for a fundraise meeting, the first question they would ask and where the meeting would invariably end is that the market is not big enough. We went from 6 to 27 to 81 to 200 crore and last year we ended at about 410 crore somewhere but even to this day the first question that is asked is we feel that the market is not big enough are really are people really going to buy mattresses and now we've gotten into furniture are they going to buy online how do we know that it is going to be cost effective i don't think we ever got to a place where we felt this is massive scale we were constantly doing two things internally we were struggling to keep up with the demand increasing our capacity adding more people adding more machinery running extra shifts externally dealing with questions on hey is this ever going to scale at all so it was a i don't know what to call it it was a, almost like a split personality internally we are seeing this crazy growth and we are constantly struggling to keep up with the demand service the orders within the timeline keep up with the customer promises and we are profitable and externally whenever we go talk to anybody in the ecosystem if the meeting would end when they would say hey, we are not convinced about the target addressable market so we never believed it 100% that this was going to be massive scale and i guess it was a blessing in disguise because we really didn't make any grandiose projections we didn't really make any grand ambitions we said okay last year was this this year is this so let's figure out what next so we literally planned 6 to 12 months put our heads down executed we said okay until somebody comes along who believes in this let's just continue to do this at least we have our team we have our loyal customers we are profitable we are able to take two salaries this is a much much bigger improvement from our failed startups so it's okay because we got rejected some 40 times before we raised series a series b we met another 15 investors so it's it's always been the case where we never had this 100% validation from the market that this is going to be a massive market so we are completely set on that direction we never had that and i think chetanya like every other question as well uh, i think humility is a part of your personalities here taking that but but i think that the the sort of scale and the growth has has been amazing and i wanted to ask you one more last question before we move to our last segment so you know as, as covid and lockdown came along most companies panicked right? and i remember getting an email from wakefit about the launch of work from home furniture so while everyone was panicking you launched a new category and and grew exponentially and launched many new products so tell us about how you guys thought through this and executed this in this time so i still remember arjun march 22nd of 2020 i think was when the first lockdown was announced and the first unlock was on uh, 4th may 2020 if my memory is correct and suddenly from being in the thick of action constantly running around keeping up with the demand we had absolutely nothing to do we had nothing to do we were just sitting on our hands so we did two things one external facing and one internal facing external facing we went ahead and said we will call customers from 2018 and 19 and just trying to add value to their lives we said these are the guidelines from who these are the guidelines from cdc we have we calling from wakefit just wanted to check if you're all right after the call you'll get a link please follow these precautions be safe that's all no selling no catalog update nothing we called said we are from wakefit did this and logged out i can't tell you how much goodwill it earned us and customers organically started chatting they suddenly had nothing to do they were also sitting at home they would follow up with a chat they would say are yeah i hadn't uh, thought about you guys uh, i had bought a bed do you have a bed sheet and protector now back then i was looking for this particular design has it come back on stock i wanted to buy something else can you help me buy so they just earned goodwill uh, and we all we did was to say we will add value to customers lives and internally what we did was 
first of all to tell all our team members that we are not laying off anybody if need be we'll take a pay cut as a company but we will not lay off let's see for 2 3 months and then take a call and once we had that we said we anyway have ambitions for launching home solutions we anyway had planned to keep on launching every month every quarter throughout the financial year now that we have nothing else to do why don't we complete the complete prototyping costing ordering of the right machinery setting up of the land contracts why don't we do all of that so for those 45 days the whole leadership team came came together we used to meet every single day virtually and we had these planning sessions we had these sourcing sessions marketing and we completed the whole prototyping and costing based on excel sheets and what we were seeing on the internet so when unlock happened we were in a place where we had completed all of this costing and analysis for about 20 or 30 different skus and between may 4th and june end which was about one and a half two months we ended up completing the prototypes sourcing the raw materials doing the job manually and completing the content website everything and june end or july we launched our home solutions kit so we just worked at a feverish pace and we launched the whole segment at one go we launched wardrobes sofas coffee tables study tables study chairs and we didn't know at that time that was going to pick up we had no clue but what happened suddenly was that people were working from home so much that they wanted to invest in making their home a good place so it it ended up becoming unforeseen tailwinds for us so people started buying these new products going back and buying our core hero products and that really became a self fulfilling prophecy where we were at the right place with the right amount of capacity to serve that huge need that earned a more trust and that became a cycle by the way i was one of those customers as well i think it was a table from you guys at that time so i think that you know it's a perfect example of using the time productively rather than just sitting and and waiting for something to come your way chetanya i i really enjoyed this and i'm going to move to the last segment it's it's just a little bit of fun it's it's rapid fire i'm going to say a few phrases and you have to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind <laughs> so what's your favorite brand I think in India it would be Swiggy. What's your go-to brand at a grocery store? I don't do any grocery shopping. Okay. Online or offline consumption? Easy one for you, but still. <laughs> Online any day. Are you an Android or iOS person? iOS person. What's the app you spend the most time on? WhatsApp. And the last one, since we can't really travel right now, which is the first place you'll go to once the world opens? I've always wanted to visit London and that too during Wimbledon. Let's see when that happens. Awesome so Chetanya I think for me your clarity of thought and humility has been inspiring I learned a lot from this conversation for all our listeners thank you for listening until the next episode we'd love to hear back from you on feedback questions or anything else I'm available on Instagram at @evedya and on LinkedIn Arjun Vedya and I'd love to chat also don't forget to click the subscribe icon and if you like what you heard please click the share button and share it with family and friends we're nothing without our listeners Chetanya absolute pleasure having you and I hope everyone enjoys the episode as much as I enjoyed it thank you Arjun I hope some of my experiences triggered some thoughts somewhere else. Podcasts are a great learning experience for me personally, so I hope it helps somebody else somewhere. Thank you. Thanks.